Gilgal Raphaim means wheel of giants and is the Hebrew name given to the historical location known as the Golan Heights. Was this place of biblical legend where Abraham encountered an ancient species of giants when he settled in the land of Canaan? Is this location the tomb of King Og, the king of Bashan? What significant discoveries affecting Bible prophecy today in the here and now have Bible scholars missed potentially for hundreds of years? Ladies and gentlemen, your paradigm is about to shift forever. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Skywatch TV. I'm Joe Artis Horn. Today, we continue our special investigative series that features a look at biblical giants like never before in the brand new documentary series called Angels and Giants, The Watchers and the Nephilim. But first, before we get started, watch this very short excerpt. This is Plaza de Armas in Cusco, Peru. This is the region where the strongest evidence for the presence of the Watchers and the Nephilim on Earth can be found. And this is probably the largest megalithic wall in the world. The Inca found this site, so they decided to build here. When the Spanish first arrived, they were completely blown away. And they said, did you build this? And the Inca said, no, this was here when we got here. This is the biggest. 125 tons. Are you capable of meeting with the Watchers, the Guardians? In our culture, from the fifth level of consciousness and higher, it is like having an afternoon meeting. Rabbit ears on a cat figure, which represents the Son of God, Horus. And you have the Tree of Light with the snake, so it's one of the chaos creatures coming out or through the Tree of Life. What the Son of God is doing is he is crushing the head of the serpent and then slicing it off. What it says in the hieroglyphs above here, he will strike your heel, but you will crush his head. This pyramid is 2.3 million blocks, the smallest of which is two and a half tons. The biggest ones, the bigger ones, are up to 15 tons. These nodules we also saw in Peru. And how can there be nodules here and the same exact type of architecture literally halfway across the world in Peru? Very separate civilizations, same technology. Why? Welcome back to Skywatch TV. Wow, is that footage not mind-boggling? Now we're going to get into our interview that continues from where we left off last week on the series Angels and Giants, The Watchers and the Nephilim. But before we do, let me introduce who's in-house. He's a television and documentary film producer who's worked with countless media outlets like Fox, MTV, CBS, and more. His works include Gentle Grace with Kathy Lee Gifford, Jesus, The Search Continues with John Ankerberg, and the legendary Apocalypsis, the final warning docuseries. Please welcome Mr. Rudy Landa. 
He's the author of the best-selling titles, Giants, Sons of the Gods, Covenant Theology, Christ in the Old Testament, and the Q&A companion to the late Dr. Michael Heiser's best-selling supernatural game changer, The Unseen Realm. Please welcome Mr. Douglas Van Dorn. He's a multi-time, critically acclaimed, best-selling author, award-winning documentary film director, and the founder of Skywatch Television, Dr. Thomas Horn. Good to be here. His broadcasting career has spanned over 25 years. He's the best-selling author of the groundbreaking books, The Great Inception and The Last Clash of the Titans. Please welcome Mr. Derek Gilbert. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to week two of our special investigative series on the brand new docuseries, Angels and Giants, The Watchers and the Nephilim. We're going to hit the ground running right away. There's never enough time to cover all of the ground. Mr. Rudy Landa, let's start a bit where we left off last week. We're talking about fallen angels. We're talking about this discussion, as Derek put it last week, that often gets overlooked by a lot of Christians today because they might be asking the question, sure, okay, something historical about the giants may have taken place in Genesis 6. What is the purpose of a documentary, let alone a docuseries that takes place over four parts? What is the purpose of that? And of course, Tom and I, Derek, uh, Doug, we're all in agreement that, that this, this really becomes almost the curation, the very answer to that question, doesn't mm -hmm. it? In your new series, Angels and Giants, The Watchers and the Nephilim, we see you guys literally crawling into the center chamber of what could possibly have been the tomb of Og. I mentioned that at the onset, and you watch this footage of these guys crawling through this very cavernous space. One of the men in your team, and I remember this, it was almost kind of a, I don't want to use the word esoteric, mm -hmm. um, but it was a moment where he talked about feeling an energy. This was a man mm -hmm. that went with your expedition team. He's describing an energy throughout this experience. Can you describe that moment? It's a fellow by the name of Adam Berkowitz. He's a, he's an, he's a journalist in, in, uh, in Israel. And um, it goes back to this issue of, uh, of congruence that keeps coming up through this through this film, whether it be the megaliths in different parts of the world and whatnot. And this also covers the why. What's, why is it important? There was an energy that we could feel. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is that what a lot of people call energy is what we would call discernment, or we would, mm -hmm. or we would feel what this, yeah. what's, what's going on in the spirit world. Yeah. The reason why it's important, a lot of people have a problem in, in believing in you know, in the Holy Spirit, a lot of people have a problem believing in supernatural healing, mm -hmm. but they have no problem believing in ghosts. They have no problem believing right. in, de in demons. They have no yeah. problem believing in right. whatever. What all the million things that, yeah. for example, the sure. New Age movement is into, right. right? They have no problems with that. So it's important because, especially for the younger generation, either you tell them or at least give them the fighting chance to believe what it really is or risk losing them to all the other sensationalism yes. that the world yep. is giving them or offering Absolutely. them, right? Yeah. They glamorize it. They glamorize it. Hollywood is, is, is all about making, you know, all this new age stuff uh, attractive and, mm -hmm. and, you know, mm -hmm. and, and hip, you know. Um, so so it's, it's very important. But yes, you could feel a presence there. And to be honest with you, when we set out to do this, the subject matter is interesting enough without having to sensationalize it. Mm -hmm. Right. On its own merits. It's more than more than sure. adequate. And uh, but by the same token, I'm not going to go out of my way to not say 
there was something there that we felt. And we felt it there. We felt it in Peru. We felt it out in the right. Southwest, you know, mm-hmm. because, because when you have sensitivities to that, and I'm not saying I'm like Mr. You know, <laughs> spiritual Spiritually sensitive. sensitive. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but, but when it's there, it's there. And you, and you yeah. feel it. And, to, and to, play it, to downplay it is also not a good thing. It's, you know? Absolutely. Right. right. And, you know, by the way, when we were working on the project on the Path of the Immortals some years ago, and you remember, Derek, we sent uh, Chris Putnam into Sedona, Arizona. We went into the Four Corners area where we were meeting with the Native Americans and amazing stuff there. Um, But uh, Chris was down in uh, Sedona, Arizona, and he had been told that there's places where there are portals where these light entities are coming up out of these holes in the ground and then going back down. And so we said, stop there and see what you can find. Well, they stopped to set up cameras from two different angles and they actually uh, filmed a light energy source coming up, coming up like it's looking at their faces. It shoots over this way and that way and then it disappears. And it wasn't a camera uh, like a piece of fuzz or whatever because we got the same thing from two different angles and actually right. filmed it. But that was one of the things he was talking about. He said, there's something, you can feel it. Yeah. yeah. And for a Christian, it's off-putting. In other words, you almost yeah. feel like you've walked into a radiation for zone. Sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yep. just something very strange, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Yep. But I think that it's connected to the underworld and I also think it could be connected uh, to Gilgal Raphaim and uh, to this whole idea of Og. Remember Og, after Moses killed him, Og then became famous for, for becoming the god of the underworld or a protector of the underworld. This Stonehenge of the Levant, as it is also called, is you know, many people ascribe that to the place where Og was buried, probably in the dolmen, in the cave that's inside there. But what I find to be interesting, now the Bible tells us that his bed was 14 feet long by six feet wide. Does that say something about how big he might have been? Some people suggest that means he was nine or 10 feet tall. But the interesting thing is a bed of exactly that same size, exact dimensions, an exact replica was discovered at the uh, Ziggurat at Amanaki, or what some people call the Tower of Babel. Right, the Temple of Marduk in Babylon. Yeah, yeah. and, and it very, it, it, we have information there that it very much was used for necromantic um, rituals, if you will, where they would, you know, they would invoke the god uh, Marduk and his divine wife Zarpanitu, if I'm saying that correctly, yeah. to come there. And it was ritual love making the whole purpose. A lot of this is across the Middle East where, you know, whether it's Demeter coming up from out of the underworld during the mystery rituals, you know, that's going to cause plants to start growing again. So a lot of that kind of stuff across the, the ancient world. But what I found interesting about this connection to Og and this 14-foot bed also being discovered at the Tower of Babel and being used for uh, ritual purposes to make contact. It was a portal. It was a utility that you would use in magic rituals to make contact with the underworld, to make contact with other entities and to solicit them, uh, you know, to bless your lands or to do your thing. But that idea, the bigger idea of this, and then I'll quit talking, but the bigger idea about this is connected to in the ancient world, the dying and rising gods. And in all of the major cultures, Egypt had Osiris as its dying and rising god. The Greeks had Apollo. But this idea that this entity can die, go into the underworld, it becomes god of the underworld or a lord over the underworld, and under some circumstances can be invoked, Mm -hmm. either to 
like in Osiris, to come up out of the underworld and literally become incarnate in the Pharaoh. Uh, in others, it was just it was symbolic. It was their spirit is coming up and making contact. Why am I saying all this? Because I think that Jesus actually repudiated what was going on at the wheel of the giants Absolutely. as well as what was going on with Osiris. And why would I say that? Because when you look at Revelation 1.18, so, so get this picture. Uh, here's Osiris. Osiris is the god of the underworld. He has the ability to die and then to rise back up from the dead again. But in the underworld, he's also the gatekeeper. He's the guy that's got the keys to the different gates that are in the underworld that go into different places. Maybe like where Jonah went when he said he was drawn down into Baravach, a city of gates beneath the sea. And he, and he crossed through that gateway and went into what? He says he went into the belly of hell, right? But Jesus repudiates this because Osiris is the god of the underworld. Osiris has the keys, and to whom he will, he gives those keys. So he gave his wife, sister wife Isis a key, gave uh, Anubis, the jackal-headed Egyptian god, keys to the underworld. But mm. Jesus repudiates this directly when in Revelation 1.18 he says, I am he that was dead and now am alive forevermore, yeah. and I have the keys to death hell and the grave. And when he uses the word hell, it's the Greek Hades, which is what uh, Osiris was supposed to rule over. So he is literally openly rejecting. And once again, you can't understand what's going on in the life of Christ unless you understand the type of work that these gentlemen have been doing for over three years, right? It has meaning. It has deep meaning. It has, in most cases, lost deep meaning. And this is what you guys are to be congratulated over. And one final thing, <laughs> best documentary I've ever seen on this subject matter. And I've watched basically all of them. Uh, without doubt, the best. And History Channel, you can go home now, children. Oh. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. There was so much going on in that place, and Doug, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, there's stuff that we haven't included on the film be simply because I don't want to give anybody reason to, to <laughs> point a finger and say, that's not what it is, <laughs> but we knew better. Um, we, we caught on film all kinds of orbs inside of the, inside of the chamber. And, and yeah, and so, and I'm, and I'm looking in front of the camera to see, where, where, am yeah. I seeing dust flying by? And then I'm looking at the camera and I'm seeing them go by, and I said, Doug, mm. do you see this? Wow. You know, and, and, and they're there, you know. Um, just when we were there yeah. with the uh, archaeologist who's done the most recent excavation there, Dr. Michael Freakman, mm -hmm. it is his theory that that's how that was used. It was essentially to replicate the sense of descending into the netherworld and then summoning the spirits from the netherworld, uh, part of the cult of the dead. It's clear that there are pagans to this day mm -hmm. in and around Israel who see that chamber as having that purpose. Because when we were there, we went there before the, our tour group got there on a Thursday. We found little votive candles inside. When we went back on Tuesday with the group, there were fresh candles. So and this was the day, I think it was the day after the equinox. Yeah. And so they were in there the day before right. on that sacred day. Right, mm -hmm. right. Well, you've seen that, uh, Derek, all across the Middle East, where the young boys would go inside these dolmens. In Sardinia, on the, yeah. yeah, on the giant's tombs of Sardinia. It's a very similar thing, where they go in there to try to absorb the energy of the giants that they <laughs> believe are buried below. So it may be something similar. I mean, we don't know because we didn't stick around to ask any of the people who were lighting the candles. But <laughs> clearly it's being used for some sort of purpose, and guarantee it's not of God. And well, once again, how did this knowledge circumnavigate the globe? Because you find that 
all around the world when we were in the Four Corners and we met with the leaders uh, the, yeah. of the four tribal nations there. Met All of them met with us. Uh, but they were talking about the same kind of things, like uh, their kivas. Kiva. Uh, and uh, when, you know, when we were there and, and I went down in one kiva that had been deactivated because I had been warned not to go into one that still had the doorways and the gateways open because of the hags and the spirits and whatever, uh, you know, that you might accidentally invoke by going in there. But we were told the same thing. I said, oh, all of these ancient kivas and what, you know, they're just sightseeing tourism. No, 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 no. No, they said the tribes, they still use these. They still go down. That's their, basically their little holy place or their mini church or whatever. Those dolmens also contain the bones of, of uh, cannibalized ancient Indians too. So what all was going in there? Don Mose told us that the reptilian that came through uh, a vortice there in the Four Corners area of a reptilian came through and started teaching the Indians to practice witchcraft and to go down into their kivas to cast spells and it turned to cannibalism. Like he's one of the leading academics in the Navajo Nation. Right? right. Where is he getting this from? And right. is it still happening? Right. But the point is, it happens. It happens all and did happen all over the world. Mm -hmm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's always too much to squeeze into these short programs, but we do want to make sure that you know how you can get your copy of Angels and Giants, The Watchers and the Nephilim, along with some other valuable educational bits. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. Christ compared the days of his return to those of Noah. Genesis 6-4 says, there were giants in the earth in those days. Are we as humans once again about to be brought face to face with a prophesied super race of malevolent giants, literally hell-bent on the destruction of the image of God and his people? What modern-day mystery surrounding Gilgal Raphaim, the ancient wheel of giants, might be linked to a sudden hyper-acceleration of end times prophecy? Skywatch TV is proud to unveil for for the first time anywhere, the docuseries that uncovers what Bible scholars have missed for hundreds of years, the Angels and Giants Expedition Collection. When you order this phenomenal new collection, you'll receive the Angels and Giants, the Watchers and the Nephilim four-part docuseries on DVD. This groundbreaking new series travels the world and unveils for the first time ever archaeological, cultural, and even spiritual evidence of the existence of fallen angels and giants here on Earth, beings whose allegorical, historical, and even physical handprints have remained purposely hidden behind the veil by wicked, anti-God evildoers. Until now. Join producer and director Rudy Landa, along with Tim Ross and their incredible team of scholars as they travel thousands of miles around the world to investigate dozens of ancient locations like Gilgal Raphaim, known as the Wheel of Giants, the megalithic structure in Israel that many prophecy experts believe was the place of biblical legend where Moses encountered an ancient species of giants when Israel settled in the land of Canaan and may even be the tomb of King Ah, the king of Bashan. Featuring interviews with world-renowned experts in ancient history, biblical theology, and academia, like Dr. Thomas Horn, Doug Vendor, Carl Gallops, L.A. Marzulli, Robert Putty Putman, Fritz Zimmerman, Stephen Wondernick, and Chief Joseph and Dr. Laura Lynn Riverwind, The Angels and Giants, The Watchers and the Nephilim four-part docuseries on DVD, brings you face-to-face -face with the truth about biblical portals, ancient star gods, the Book of Enoch, the rebellion in heaven involving fallen angels that brought about the birth of giants, a race of super beings known as the Nephilim, and the possibility of their imminent return here on Earth. 
But that's not all. This brand new collection also includes the Angels and Giants Illuminated Companion DVD. This standalone masterpiece takes you on an expedition of epic proportion. Join as the experts from the Angels and Giants series continue their examination of biblical giants, the Watchers and the Nephilim. You will explore the mysteries of ancient megalithic structures and learn why so many First Nation tribes and civilizations share the same origin stories rooted in the existence of giants and what the Bible has to say about about all of it. Sold separately, these items in the Angels and Giants Expedition Collection hold a retail value of $85. Yours right now for your donation of only $35 plus shipping and handling. You can scan the QR code on your screen right now using the camera app on your phone to place the order at the skywatchtvstore.com or call 1-844-750-4985 and ask for the Angels and Giants Expedition Collection today. Welcome back to Skywatch TV. I'm Joe Artis Horn. We continue our interview. Today's subject of discussion on Angels and Giants, The Watchers and the Nephilim, this massive docuseries that took place over four one-hour installations just to make it possible. And then, of course, the Overflow DVD, Angels and Giants Illuminated, for the stuff that you couldn't put into the first work. Right. <laughs> I want to continue with you, Doug. You've been credited. Now, this is mind-boggling. And you are the first individual, to my recollection as well, as being the one that either discovered or found or at the very least noticed that there was this other serpentine mound slightly north of the Gilgal Raphaim. I just find that astonishing. And you're sitting here with us today <laughs> to talk about that moment. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, it's kind of surreal. I was like, I was Tim Alberino for 15 minutes is what I kind of felt like. <laughs> okay. They call him the Indiana Jones. So it was kind of like my Indiana Jones moment. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I had uh, just been to the Serpent Mountain in Ohio, uh, that the most famous Serpent Mountain in the world. Mm -hmm. And so the Serpent Mounds were on my mind. I'm doing research for the giant book. And there was one other thing that was taking place. Is I, was, I had watched a uh, podcast that David Flynn had done where he okay. had discovered a whole bunch of massive cities uh, down by Lake Titicaca mm -hmm. uh, on Google Earth. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know, I've been thinking about the Wheel of Giants. I, I wonder if there's anything like that like those structures that were in that area. So I go to Google Earth, and um, I'm searching over the area. I go back to the wheel, and all of a sudden, my eye hits a tenth of a mile to the north of it. And I could not believe what I was looking at. You know, we had said earlier that Bashan in, in the last program means the place of the serpent. Mm -hmm. So that was also on my mind. And I'm looking at this thing going, this can't possibly be real. <laughs> and I called the only other person that I knew at the time who uh, might... Uh, know what I was talking about. I said, man, Tony, you got to go and you got to get on Google Earth. I don't care what you're doing right now. Stop <laughs> it. Get on Google Earth and go to the wheel and tell me what you see. And he gets to the wheel. I say, okay, look north. Just look north. Tell me what you see. He goes, it's a serpent mound. <laughs> he said it just like that. I go, I'm not crazy. He said, I don't think you're crazy. And that kind of led to uh, a, whole, a whole world of study on serpent mounds, learning that there are serpent mounds all over the world, uh, learning that there are serpentine fig features that have a circle right under them all over the world. So it's not like this is not a unique thing. This is, this is a pretty mind-blowing. And then discover that there are actually burial cairns that are all over the top of this thing. So Israel did know about the ridge, but they didn't know the mythological importance of it. 
mentioned the archaeologist Dr. Michael Freakman. He put a map in there showing all the megalithic burials in and around that site, and they are all clustered on that ridge and a few to the uh, to the east on another ridge. To the east, to the but east. there's nothing below it in the right. ground below. It's only on top of the ridge. That, it's like 140 of them. Yeah, it's it, not like a couple. And it's they're like not lot. little. Uh, no. You said that one of them was as high as. There's there's one circular cairn that originally, according to Dr. Freakman, probably stood 20 feet high. 20 wow. feet high. And these things are gigantic. You see them from the satellite footage. And that's on top of a 25-foot ridge. So, you know, yeah. And you now you can add something away. to this, which is that Dr. Freakman told us, as we were talking about portals earlier, that they had like a cult of the dead on top of the mound. Wow. And then what they would do is they would somehow go over to the wheel they would do um, circumambulating counterclockwise around the wheel, and then they would somehow do some sort of a ceremony inside the center, central carrion, which was some sort of ceremony to the dead. So that, I mean, here's a secular scholar talking about the very same idea of portals, putting it in different languages, but nevertheless, same thing. And the epicenter is the circle, but there's like a cult that's living on top of the ridge. The Serpent Mound. Yeah, and, and what's really bizarre is that in 1869, Sir Charles Warren, who found the, the Misha Stela, the Moabite stone, discovered that when you approach the summit of Mount Hermon, which is scooped out to accept drink offerings, there was a wall, a low stone wall that forced you to approach it by circumambulating counterclockwise. Mm -hmm. So he asked in 1869, is it possible that this practice of circumambulating a sacred spot counterclockwise, as in the Kaaba in Mecca, originated with the watchers on Mount Hermon? Wow. And Doug, you've made more than one expedition there. I understand that you recently came back from yet another trip to that area, uh, and you have some new insights, ones we haven't even covered yet, about the Wheel of Giants. With just a couple of minutes on the clock, do you want to get into just a little bit of that? Yeah, sure. Um, the most interesting thing that I found, uh, as we were talking about the alignments of the wheel itself, that there's a northeastern gate that is aligned to the summer solstice. There's also another rock cairn outside that's aligned to the equinox. But he told us that when they were opening the tomb, because they didn't know how to get into it, once they were inside, they discovered that there was a little tiny hole that uh, only on the summer solstice at sunrise would shine light into the, in, into the center of the tomb. It's the same thing that you find up at Newgrange in Ireland, the very same oh. idea. Uh, so the whole, the whole wheel is aligned astronomically, but... I came across a paper from a fellow who did a work on a serpent mound in Ontario, Canada, and this thing looks exactly the same as the one in Israel, aligned exactly the same way, and he demonstrated that that serpent mound is aligned to the summer solstice as well, which when you go back and you overlay it on the one in Israel, it's the same exact alignment, north, south, east, west, the whole thing's identical, looks the same, and that means that the serpent mound is aligned also to the summer solstice, so it's matching with the wheel, and it's also pointed right at Telferis, that's right, and uh, Mount Hermon is directly north of the center of the, of the cairn of the Wheel of Giants, so the whole thing is very deliberate, astronomical, mm -hmm up above and below under the netherworld. So it's an incredibly important. And I think the thing to remember about all of this is that it's not just cool stuff that's weird. This is the religious and cultural context that produced Israel, that produced the Hebrew prophets, the apostles, the Bible. This is what Isaiah was condemning, you know, eating forbidden food among the tombs and, you know, sacrificing to the dead. This, this is what produced the Bible and uh, what we as Christians believe.
And ladies and gentlemen, it all resides in two works, The Angels and Giants, The Watchers and the Nephilim, and of course the companion DVD, Angels and Giants Illuminated. It took that many discs to make it all work, didn't it, Rudy? <laughs> it did. It sure did. Ladies and gentlemen, are your minds just <laughs> reeling with this information? I mean... Unfortunately, we're all out of time today, but join us next week when our guests return to talk about how, when, and where we as human beings might be brought once again face-to-face -face with a super race of malevolent giants literally hell-bent on the destruction of the image of God and his people. That would be us. <laughs> it's not one you're going to want to miss. For everybody on panel, Rudy, Doug, thank you so much. Tom, Derek, so much for being here today. And everybody in-house, I'm Joe Artis Horn. Keep your eyes on the prize, which is Jesus Christ. We'll be back.